Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive. I am your host, Laurieann Sheldrick, the Contagiously Positive Girl, and every single week I come here to help you make happiness your permanent default setting. I believe that your level of happiness is going to be one of the most life-altering things you choose to have every single day. And it isn't about choosing to be a perfect little happy robot. It is about choosing a happy life, regardless of what challenges you have to face. So choose happiness today and unleash your inner contagiously positive tomorrow. Let's begin. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a really special treat for all of you today. Today, I'm having a really great conversation with Jolene Watson. Jolene is the president of Clarity Coaching and Development. She's a certified coach practitioner. She's a business executive coach. She's a personality expert. She's a professional speaker across Canada. She um, offers seminars and conferences and team building workshops and personality profile. It's absolutely amazing. She's also a master connector, everyone, and such a phenomenal human being. And she's my best friend. So I wanted to have a conversation with Jolene today because, well, first of all, it's just way more fun to chat with friends and have conversations with friends. And also, we have similar passions. We research similar things. We talk about similar things. We're interested in similar things. And one thing that we're both seeing in our industry right now, because we are both entrepreneurs, is that entrepreneurial stress and entrepreneurial anxiety and entrepreneurial depression is on the rise. And we want to change that. And the way we do that is we begin by having meaningful conversations and by just becoming aware and letting other people know that this is a real thing. This is something real that is happening in society right now. We're going deep today, everyone. We're talking about entrepreneurial stress. We're talking about Jolene's entrepreneurial journey. We're talking about Jolene's transition um, into becoming a professional speaker across Canada, a sought-after speaker. Like, she is just everywhere right now. It's amazing. We're talking about her lessons learned, what she and myself would have told our younger selves before we started our business, advice that we would have given ourselves before we started our business. The difference between working in a corporate industry versus being an entrepreneur and why it's so important to learn ways to prevent the the overwhelm and why it's so important to plan and why we have to have passion and why we need to become aware and pay attention of our triggers. And we talk about the good and the bad stress. And, and we talk about why it's so important to know your self. This is jam-packed, you guys. Like, seriously, I, I really, truly hope you have the time, take the time, sit down, listen to the things that we have to say, because this is a conversation woman to woman, friend to friend, businesswoman to businesswoman, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, and we're breaking it down for you today and having those meaningful conversations and creating the connections, as Jolene says, that we all 
need when we're on this entrepreneurial or just life journey. So stay tuned and welcome everyone, Jolene Watson of Clarity Coaching and Development and my best friend. We're going to have to think of a really great topic for this other than entrepreneurial yeah. depression. Because- yeah, we don't have depression or anxiety because you and I don't have either of those things, mm-hmm. but we can get depressed and we can have anxiety, but it's not the same thing, right? Absolutely. And I think when it comes to entrepreneurial depression, quite a few things happen before it gets to the depression. Um, so, but I let's back up a little bit. I want to talk about your journey. So it, seems like you just came out of nowhere and are just like the most popular sought after speaker. But because I know your story, I know that you've had to do a lot of legwork to get to where you are now. Whereas a lot of people are just seeing the successful Jolene and you're being everywhere and your company's everywhere and you're everywhere. And it's amazing. But I don't think most people know that there was a journey there. It didn't happen overnight. And most people will think, oh, overnight success. It's so easy for Jolene, right? So what's been your journey since starting Clarity Coaching and Development? Well, it was seven years ago. I decided to leave the corporate world. I started out in veterinary and then I worked in human metabolomic research and then into potash and taught Dale Carnegie training. I did a whole bunch of different things before I realized that I truly wanted to be an entrepreneur and follow my passion of speaking, personality profiling, and team building. So I went back to business school about seven years ago, and it was amazing to be coached and to have the leaders in that school for the 10 months that I was there. And they basically taught us how to run a business, how to do bookkeeping, marketing, research, all of these things. And without that help and the coaching, I definitely would not be where I am today. When I graduated, however, I was, you know, I, I, I hired some mentors and coaches over the years, but ultimately it was going it alone. And over the next six years, as you mentioned, legwork, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I probably get about 90% of my clients through networking, shaking hands and in-person meetings. So, you know, 16 hour days are not uncommon. You know, getting up to the early networking meetings, workshops, and then working sometimes until midnight. You know, not every day, but I think if you're not an entrepreneur or haven't been one before, you kind of have this illusion that they can have Fridays off and it must be so nice to run your own business and all the freedom and flexibility. And eventually I think it is that way, but I, I don't think people realize the amount of work and sometimes stress that can accompany that. Mm -hmm. And it's been a lot, like you said, legwork over the past six years. And now I'm traveling across Canada and it's amazing. And still a lot of legwork and networking events and late evenings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's something that you said there, you talked about at the beginning, you didn't know what your purpose was. And what I love about that, which I'm really starting to see is people are like, I don't know what my purpose is. I just, I want to hire you to figure out my purpose. But for you, it was like, and I think for most of us is we don't just sit down and have our purpose right there in front of us. We have to start to do things and we grow into our purpose. So for you, it's taken you six years to realize, you know what, all of the other stuff can go, 
because this is where I'm the best. This is my wheelhouse. This is where I make the most magic. This is where I feel the best. But you wouldn't have known that or grown into that had you not done all of the other things. Absolutely. And yeah. when I started out, I had about 10 topics that I spoke about. And now I'm really honing it down to three or four, which are my favorite and yeah. what I'm certified in and what I get most energy from. Yeah. And what I love is you just naturally went into um, the networking conversation and teaching about that because not because you had training on it, but because you were so good at it and you're just like, this comes really naturally to me, even though it comes with a stressful side for you as far as your time and later evenings and whatnot, but you're really energized by it and by mixing in and really understanding human nature and understanding like this comes naturally for me and I'm energized by it. Introverts are so drained by it. (laughs) And you were just like, oh, you know what? I'm really good at this. Plus I'm a personality profiling expert with Myers-Briggs. I'm going to teach everybody how to do this and not lose their shit. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So Knowing now, so you've been on this, what is it? When did you start? Six years ago or seven? It's almost coming up to seven. Seven years ago. So knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Knowing what you know now that if someone is just starting out or starting over right in the middle or whatever, what would you have done differently that you know now today? That obviously hindsight, you wouldn't have known had you not gone through it, but that's what makes great teachers, right? Like, you yes. lead you lead before everyone else. Yeah. What I would definitely change is when I first started out with Clarity Coaching, I was doing career counseling and working with couples and the speaking and the workshops and teaching. I was doing so many different things and I didn't have a lot of focus in one or two areas. And mm. I even started doing professional organizing in the very beginning and my energy was displaced and I couldn't have the true focus I needed. And as soon as I, you know, went to three topics, three services, my company, the revenue increased, it actually doubled. So when you can truly choose a lane and focus and find your passion and get extra training in those areas, uh, stress management, one of the main reasons I got certified in change and stress management, number one was to survive entrepreneurship. Yeah. To understand with my personality type, how can I handle acute and chronic stress, get back to balance quickly? Because I'm not spontaneous by nature. I'm super planful, organized, and scheduled. It's my personality. So I had to learn to be spontaneous, especially as a facilitator. And so just that whole journey has truly led me to be focused, three topics, and that is what's taken my company to the next level. I love that. I think that would be mine as well. That was something if if I could start over, I would have just been like, all right, what am I really good at now? Um, that I want to teach that I want to teach and I want to coach on. Um, because it was just like, I'll do this and I'll do that. And I'll talk about this. And I remember having a booklet of like 80 topics and I'll write (laughs) about this today. And I'll write about that today instead of what I do now, which is here's what I went through last year or last month, or here's what I'm going through today. And here are tools for you if you're going through the same thing to overcome it. And really talking about the things that mean the most to me. Um, the bit like I spent so much time talking about health. And even though I think that's important, 
um, my biggest passion was talking about mindset and helping people overcome their mindset and strengthen their inner world. But by focusing so much time on the health component, I wasn't really putting my energy where it should have been. But yeah, a pretty fantastic cookbook, and <laughs> oh, and I love it, and I still have my health program, and I love it, and I don't, I don't look at my health program anymore. But when there's something that comes up, and someone wants to work with me in with health coaching, there's such, I mean, ninety percent of it is mindset. Yeah. Um, so I still get to be in my wheelhouse and in my strength, but it's there because I think it's also important, but it's not where my focus is at. So I get to just do the things that I love. And I, I think that's really important. People think, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try everything instead of just becoming an expert and then being like, okay, well, where can I move on to now? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that caused me a lot of stress. It caused me a lot of stress because I wasn't an expert in anything. I was just really good at a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, you're sought after for specific things because you're an expert in that and they know you're an expert in that and they see you doing it and they hear you talking about it. So that makes you an expert in your field, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to hire Jolene Watson today. Let's see if she can talk about computer programming. Like that would just never happen, right? <laughs> yeah. So a new entrepreneur coming in then who's just starting out to prevent that overwhelm, because that's what we're going to talk about today, is really preventing the anxiety and the stress and the from getting to a point of depression. Um, what would you tell that new entrepreneur now to give them guidance to say, why don't we just, if you just take these three steps, this will help you pre or prevent you or minimize getting to that scale of depression and then just giving up? Well, I think to a lot of people, and maybe I felt the same, I'm trying to remember back seven years ago, mm -hmm. they sometimes, and you, we were talking earlier about uh, like network marketing companies, sometimes they promise, you know, overnight success, or yeah. you see someone else who's an entrepreneur and all of a sudden it looks like it only took them a year to get where they are. And I think we forget the legwork and mm -hmm. that the first three to five years is a lot of work and a lot of extra hours and you don't get holiday days and you cannot call in sick. Uh, entrepreneurship is not like your standard nine to five job. So I think yeah. as long as you go in knowing that, knowing you need some downtime, but being prepared for the 15 or 16 hour days and know that they will come mm -hmm. and not to be upset when they do. I think that's something that a mindset you need to get in is that it won't always be super easy, Yeah, but you're passionate and it's an adventure and you will never regret trying. I remember when I started the question, and this was from your goal setting workbook, which I use right now with vision boarding, is how would I feel in five years if I didn't do it? Mm -hmm. And that question that you posed was so powerful. And I, you know, having that mindset and goal setting is a big part of the networking etiquette course that I teach. It's a big part of stress management is having a vision and knowing where you want to be in three, five or 10 years, it helps yeah. you through those tough times and it motivates you. Another, I guess the third thing, the most important in my opinion, is having a very strong support network. Mm -hmm. And some of those should be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because they understand your world and they are really easy to talk to. And so when you hire mentors or coaches, I think it's really cool to find someone that has been through entrepreneurship. When I went to business school, 
their theme of the entire Praxis School of Entrepreneurship is entrepreneurs teaching entrepreneurs. So all of our teachers were real entrepreneurs. And so it was just really cool to learn from someone who'd been there and done it. Yeah, I think that's so key because as we were talking about before we pushed record, asking people for advice who are in a nine to five corporate job where their paycheck comes, whether they show up or not, um, if they're sick for a week, most corporate jobs pay for you to be sick for the week. Um, and then you get your two weeks holiday pays. Entrepreneurs don't have that. Um, so asking someone for advice on that who hasn't gone through it is really difficult because they'll go, well, they just, it's not that they don't have good advice. It's that they're not in it. So the advice they're going to give is from the experience they're having and their regular corporate job. They don't have the same fears or the same worries. Like if we go away for two weeks of holidays, we don't get paid during that time unless we have, of course, like a digital course or something like that. But when you're away, you're not marketing it typically either. Right. So yeah, it's just a different kind of stress. So which means it's a different kind of planning. Yeah. You know, I know going in, I planned for 12 months. Like my whole business plan was around 12 months. Um, and then the past few years I've realized, uh, no, I have to plan for 10 months, which means I need to make 12 months worth of pay in 10 months because there's holiday days and there's weekends and there's vacations and things that have happen and networking events that there's all of these things where I'm not sitting at my desk with a client yeah. that the money's not coming in. So it's really important to do that because you have to plan as an entrepreneur, not as a corporation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And having a really handy overdraft helps too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think that's so important is something that I would tell myself at the beginning is to really ensure that I'm paid, like make sure that I have a strong, solid financial plan from day one. The website can wait, like all of the fluff can wait. And then when you have an established business and you're going to the networking events and you have a really good solid email list, then put your efforts into all of those things. Because I think so many people just right off the bat, they're like, if I have a pretty website, then it'll all just work out. But who's going to your website if you're not meeting people, right? And people don't know about you. I would have just saved so much money right off the bat and so much stress because I was constantly just trying to pay for the website or pay for this next thing that I thought would be the thing to grow the business instead of just getting in front of thousands of people, as many people as I can within the first year. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to hire someone in the beginning to help with web design and all of these things, really interview people and find someone that truly understands who you are and the language you use because otherwise it's a waste of money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I learned that. I learned all of the things the hard <laughs> way, but it's funny. Like now when I give someone um, advice on becoming an entrepreneur on the business side, it's like so simplified. We overcomplicate it because we see all of the bells and whistles of someone who has been in business for 20 years and we've been in it for 20 days thinking we need to have what they have in 20 years. And that makes us spend a lot of money up front to look like them, but they only look like that and act like that and are that because of the legwork that they did. Yeah. And again, I teach networking, but showing up 
is the cheapest, easiest thing that you can do in shaking hands and making yeah. your presence known in your community, especially if your company's local or within the province or state that you live in. Yeah. Do you find that's one of the biggest things that alleviates some of the stress from your company is just knowing that someone else is talking about you even when you're not there because you just went to that event? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think people underestimate the power of giving out a business card in person and shaking a hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Would you say the majority of your work comes from networking versus other people who try to get it from social media and doing live Instagram stories? I mean, that some people do really, really good at that and get business that way. But would you say the majority of yours is from the other side, networking? I would say ni- over 90%, even closer to 92% is networking in person and word of mouth referrals. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen in a box at home <laughs> on your sofa and your pajama bottoms. Um, and it also doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It takes years. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Would you say now that you've put in that time and you've put at that in that effort that you can take your foot off the gas a little bit and take a little bit more time for yourself? Or do you find like you it's almost like you have to work harder now. This year, my focus is really on rebranding my company to my name. So Clarity Coaching is my company, but Jolene Watson, professional speaker and trainer, is my new logo, my new brand. And as a speaker, people hire my name, not my company name. So I'm actually working with my phenomenal web designer right now, and she's reinventing my entire website the logo design, the business cards have already been done. So this year is more about reinvention and even more focus. And I'm truly moving my company over to be closer to 70% in professional speaking at conferences. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's what you love. And I, I really love that you're doing that, that you know you could make money in other realms, in other things, and you could put your time and effort into that and developing it, of course. But you're just like, no, I want to put my passion and my energy and my money into what I actually love doing. Don't you find that just, you might still be tired at the end of the day, of course, but it would be a really satisfying tired versus a, I just did something I hated for 12 hours. And now I don't, I not only hate my life, (laughs) I not only hate my job and what I did, I hate my life. Whereas for you, it's, Um, it's a good stress almost because it's something that you enjoy, which I think a lot of people don't do that because again, they're just trying to like throw a dart and let's just see where it lands. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like the most successful entrepreneurs that I see really just are just like niche down, if you will. They just focus on what it is that they love and that energy that they put out into the world. People are just like, I'm going to go listen to Jolene speak, even if I don't want to learn about networking because they're not really there. They're there obviously to learn, but a lot of times they just want to learn from you. They just want to hear you and be in your energy field. So but a lot of people, they just don't do that. So you know, they, it's, it's just all over the place and then they feel really stressful and then they get burnt out and then they do nothing. Yeah. And that leads into, it turned into stress and that stress turned into anxiety and that 
anxiety turned into depression. And unfortunately, what we're seeing now is not only a rise in entrepreneurial depression, but entrepreneurial suicide. Yes. So it sounds like it's just that it's just that domino effect of not checking yourself right at the beginning and really creating that plan. And like you said, the vision. Yeah, the vision, the weekly vision, the monthly vision, the six month vision and setting goals around that instead of let's just see where things land. Yeah. Yeah. So with regards to Myers-Briggs, because what I love about your journey is which will lead into like, what can we do then as entrepreneurs? Because I, now that I know this is a thing, I know for a fact I had entrepreneurial stress that was leading into entrepreneurial depression. And thankfully my husband chimed in and got involved and got you out and flew you out from Saskatoon (laughs) to come and see me. And it just turned out, it's like, well, no, like, yeah, I love my life, but it was just, it was all around my business. It was all around my business and just not and, and starting over and the stress of being an entrepreneur and not paying attention to the triggers. Yeah. So for you being um, Myers-Briggs certified and really knowing deep, deep, deep the strengths and weaknesses of every single type, why is it so important, especially for entrepreneurs to know what makes us tick in order to prevent that stress from becoming depression or anxiety? Well, when I got certified in Myers-Briggs originally, it was more focused around communication styles and team building and finding out your strengths, which was so much fun and definitely relevant. So a lot of my team building workshops in the beginning focused around people getting along and customer service. And it was amazing. But it wasn't until, again, I was an entrepreneur and realizing that there's a lot of stress in this and how do I get back to balance because I don't have a boss to help me. I can't call in sick. So I went back to psychometrics and got certified by Donna Dunning, who is a phenomenal psychologist in stress and change management. And what happens with personality types, and there's 16 of them, so it gets pretty intricate and detailed, which is great, is under acute stress, we actually flip our personality type. And it's called the inferior process, but that's the areas of your personality that you don't normally use that are not natural. They're not innate. And we tend to avoid them. And what happens under great stress is they come to the surface. And if we haven't practiced those behaviors, it can be very childlike. It can be inappropriate. And those triggers are what Mm -hmm. we need to recognize almost immediately to help us get back to balance before it becomes chronic stress. And so I'm certified to work with all 16 personality types. And it's not just me. There's an actual customized report with 92,000 people in this particular survey. And they talk about their stressors, how they get back to balance, how others can help, how others can make it worse, how they can help themselves, and how they can make it worse. And I think having all of those tools, you can share with other people, your loved ones, your partner, your children, if you have children, how to help you and what your triggers are. Because often we don't share that. Yeah, absolutely. So what, you're an ENFJ, correct? Yeah. Are you an ENFJ who's leading into a P? (laughs) So ENFJ, for those who don't know Myers-Briggs, I'm an extrovert. That's the E, which you probably guessed already. Lorianne and I are both extroverts. So we gain (laughs) energy around others. And we can be alone. We don't mind being alone, but we truly gain energy around others. We like to brainstorm. The second area, intuition or sensing, you and I are both intuitive. That's the N. 
So visionary, big picture thinking, and we trust yeah. our gut feeling and our intuition. The F is for feeling, which is a decision-making style, more empathetic and compassionate. And people that are more empathetic in general tend to be more prone to burnout and compassion fatigue because their empathy is so high. The yeah. opposite of that would be your thinkers who are very logical and analytical, and they're less prone to compassion fatigue because they can easily disconnect their emotions. Okay. The last area, which you, which you just uh, asked a question about, was perceiving versus judging. And I'm a J, which means that I'm super systematical, organized, methodical, and planful by nature. And now that doesn't work so well in entrepreneurship where there is no stability. You don't know what the next day is going to be like. You're just kind of going on the fly, designing things immediately when needed. So I've had yeah. to really force some behaviors on the perceiving side, which is the more spontaneous, last minute emergent. Yeah. And seven years ago, I was extreme on the J side and now I'm mid zone. And I even have some behaviors that are full, like a four out of five on your side, which is you by nature is a little more spontaneous than me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a balance. Like I'm yeah. really, there's some things I'm really like, Woo, OCD about and has to be perfect and organized and just so and do not put the fork in the spoon holder and you know like there are certain things but where I wasn't which I just think because I had never practiced it I had a really hard time being organized as an entrepreneur because I always had a boss telling me what to do next yeah so I had never strengthened that muscle of making the decision on my own, making the plan on my own. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to plan it. So that was something that was a, you know, quote unquote weakness for me that I needed to work on because I wasn't doing the things in my business that I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to be more systematic and planning. But what I love what you said is the flip your type, because I think that's really important for people to recognize if they know that they're an extrovert by nature and all of a sudden they have become a hermit and have not left the house in a month, that would they would, would most likely do that because they're in a very, very stressful state, anxiety, stress, leading into depression. But being a hermit is probably also creating more of that feeling for them because their energy comes from being an extrovert. Absolutely. So I think what I'm hearing is, is knowing what makes you tick, knowing your type also helps you see where you're flipping. Yep. So as soon as you feel yourself veer away from what you normally would do and how you would normally respond and react, you can just ask yourself, okay, something's up, what's going on, right? Yeah, or this is not a normal thought process. Um, so I have actually my report in front of me and one of the sentences really stands out and it said, when somebody's in the grip, their most inexperienced, childish and negative side will come forth. Yeah. Which is your exact opposite type. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. My unchecked frustration turns into anger and my anger turns into childlike temper tantrums. Yeah. Unchecked. That's, I don't go right into temper tantrum. It's a, it's a, it's an unchecked pressure cooker that it's just like, it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds and builds. Right. Yeah. So what's yours? What's your flip when you're just like, you're, you're at your limits and you can't 
take anything anymore, which I mean, you spend most of your time doing things you love now. So you probably don't naturally go to that. But when you weren't, what is your flip? What did you go into um, whenever you just weren't acting or responding or living by your design? So by nature, I'm super optimistic and positive and charismatic and out mm. there. So under great stress or in the grip, I become cutting, sarcastic, critical, mm. lose my compassion. And, you know, I read something oh. once, um, it said that kindness is situational. And that sentence really bothered me, but I did some research into it. And it said that when we're feeling rushed, or we use that term busy, which yeah. people often use as a shield, it actually lowers our empathy. Wow. Yeah. So th that really struck me. And I was like, wow, you know, so if you normally stop if something were to happen and you just walk on by, that is a sign that you're under stress. When you start not doing the things that are natural for your personality type, your kindness level, that's a red flag. Makes so much sense. So are people naturally kind? I think everyone's born with kindness. No one is yeah. born being hateful, but no matter your type, um, when you're living by your type and by your design, whatever you want to call it, your true self, are people just naturally kind and compassionate, even if they're not feelers? And then Absolutely. when they're not, they just, that shuts down. Yeah. So why would that shut down? Because that's really important. I, and I think, I think why it's really important if we're talking about entrepreneurial anxiety and stress and making sure it doesn't lead in depression to depression is it's really important to see that, okay, I am now totally shut down and have no empathy and compassion. So this would be a really, really important thing for entrepreneurs because as an entrepreneur, don't you just like, you're most likely in the service-based industry, right? As an entrepreneur, whether it's retail or one-on-one -on -one coaching, whatever it is, or speaking, like you're dealing with people. Like this would be really important thing to hear because if you're being unkind and your empathy is shut down, you will isolate yourself. Yeah. And I think people, they they not mix up the word stress, but they think stress is always bad. And mm. a little bit of stress is actually really good for you. It, yeah. exaggerate your, it exaggerates your strengths, which we want stress in our lives. It's when it becomes acute stress. Yeah. And the cool thing about personality type and what I'm certified in and what I learned is you cannot change your personality type, but you can always change your behaviors. Yes. And when the area that you're not innately strong in comes to the surface, but you've practiced those behaviors and developed those neuron pathways, it no longer is inappropriate. It's no longer an episode or an anger response. So we can actually control our stress and our anger by practicing all four of those areas, the behaviors that we need. Even if you're strong in a behavior that you consider a strength, in your current career, I always ask the question, is it serving you? Mm, yeah. It's just a different way to look at behaviorals, behavioral so adaptation because you can always change your behaviors. That was something that you taught me right from the beginning when you took me through my whole entire profile. All I could focus on were like, oh my God, look at all my weaknesses. Like this is, right? I just, that's just naturally where we tend to go. It's like, how the hell am I ever going to have a business when look at all my weaknesses that don't support me being an entrepreneur? And you were... Because one of the things that I gave an example of this in at one of my coaching emails once where I said, I was constantly saying, but I've always been this way. 
I've always been this way. So this is always how I'm going to be. And your thing that, and what you said to me, which I still use it today was, but you don't have to react and respond and behave that way. You can say, okay, this is something that I'm quote unquote weak at. It's definitely not my strength. I'm going to have to take a little bit more energy to do it, but it doesn't have to be your excuse to behave poorly towards yourself or to someone else, whatever it might be. Right. And I think we do that. I think we're like, oh, that's just how often do we hear, oh, but that's just so-and-so. That's yeah. how they are. Well, no, like bad behavior is chosen. You chose to have that bad behavior, right? Whether it's towards yourself or to someone else. So I love that you say that because I think that is so important, especially yeah. for entrepreneurs to just be like, you can change anything that you want to change by just making the decision, some things are going to come naturally and some things you might have to write on the palm of your hand every day. <laughs> <laughs> or hire it out when you're financially able to, right? But in the beginning, not all entrepreneurs can hire a bookkeeper, for example, or a coach, you know, or a marketing yes. So in the beginning, you're kind of doing everything. Yeah, absolutely. I actually wanted to touch on that because I just had that conversation, you know, when I asked you, like, what is one thing that you would do differently? When... When entrepreneurs first start out, and I know that was the case for you and I as well, is everybody was giving us advice and saying, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to hire that out and you need to hire this out. And it's very stressful and it's very overwhelming. So what then should entrepreneurs do when they're first starting out to just like shut down that external noise? Always thank people for their opinions because they usually mean very well. You know, even if they're entrepreneurs, they still might not understand your world or your profession or niche and thank them for their opinions. But really, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine say something and I thought it was just so profound. And he said, never take criticism from somebody that you would not seek advice from. Mm. And that I used to ask so many people opinions about my logo and my website. And really, that was a waste of time because I should really have been asking the four or five people in my close circle that I truly trusted and valued. And it would have saved so much time. So yeah. pick your people strategically. Don't ask for too many opinions. And if you get too many, just keep on focus because it's your company. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And we do. And I think that's what I loved so much about Myers-Briggs and just not just Myers-Briggs and anything that helps me just learn a little bit more about myself is that it helps me to trust my gut where you no longer need validation. Yeah. It's just, it's so strong. That muscle is so strong that you don't need the validation. You obviously, for me, anytime I ask someone for something, for their advice on something, or it's like, oh, look at this thing I created. What do you think? Even if they didn't like it, my gut on it is so strong that I wouldn't change it today. I mean, yeah. seven years ago I would have, <laughs> but I wouldn't change it today because again, people's opinion is relative to their experience. Yeah. Right. And their fears as well. And I, I find, don't you find that a lot of people give you advice based on their fears, not on what they actually believe. Yeah. And your, your intuition is always correct, regardless of your personality type, even sensing who, they're not called intuitive by nature, but they have intuition. And I think if we just learn to trust it more, a lot of the decisions will be made for us. Yeah, absolutely. So 
when it comes to strength and weaknesses, I think that's, and really understanding what makes someone tick, what makes ourselves tick and what our authentic selves are. Everyone that I speak to when I, when I talk about you and what you do and that they should really have their assessment done will often say, well, I kind of know myself. Well, what shouldn't I know myself? But I think what happens is it, it really gets shut down and we forget who we are by the external noise, don't we? Yeah. Everyone else telling us, like we grow up, our parents are constantly telling us who we should be and how we should act and how we should react and how we should respond. So I believe that a lot of depression today and a lot of stress today and a lot of anxiety today is because people don't know who they are or they've separated from who they know they are because they're trying to conform to what everyone else is doing and what everyone else wants. Yeah. So it sounds like doing this and going through this process, whether it be Myers-Briggs or anything else, is a really great way to just come back home to who you are. Yes. And when I first started out too, and I still dabble in it because I find it fascinating, is I really studied career coaching in terms of Myers-Briggs. And you and I are very similar in personality type. And when you do the research, coaching, helping others, even social work is in there. Speaking, motivational speaking is one of the number one professions for you and I and our types because we're so similar. And I think just looking at what careers other people that are identical to you, and there's 16 mm -hmm. personality types, so it's quite unique and customized. It really helps you feel normal. Yeah. You know, and it's just, yeah. it just brings you back home because you're like, yeah, I'm exactly like those people that are identical to me. And it's really neat to look at the niches they've chosen in order to choose what career path you want to be on or change to in the future. Absolutely. It's so important, right? Because just because someone says you're really good at that doesn't mean you have to do that. There are so many other things that your personality type loves. And it's just a hand, like, it's just, one handful of things that people could do, yeah. right? It just, it opens up a door. It just opens up a door and it starts that conversation, which I think is really important. And I yeah. think something that really helps you and I on our journey is that we've always been so fascinated and taken that extra leap and figuring out who we are and what makes us tick, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. Um, and I don't know about you, but that's really helped me in not just my life, but in my business. Oh, yes. And I mean, even as I mentioned before, our goal setting workshop, your online course and your workbook have truly changed my trajectory in my life to really start to question where I want to go and why. Yeah. And you really bring up the question of why are you doing it? You know, what yeah. feeling are you trying to achieve? What are your actual outcomes? And that really helped put me on the path that I'm on now. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's a question I ask myself and I, I do it all the time is just, all right, Lorianne, like, is this going to enhance your life or decrease it? You know, and I've really, I've gotten really good at doing that in my business. Um, it's still a practice in my personal life because oftentimes there's other people involved and you don't want to hurt other people. So it's a practice, but it's really important. And it's really helped me to minimize my stress because instantly my, I call it my inner guide. It's just your gut instinct. My inner guide pipes up and it's like, you really don't want to do that. Like, trust us, you know, <laughs> like, trust me, you don't want to do that. So then if I do it anyway, I have no one to blame but myself. 
but it takes the stress off of it. And instead of me having a temper tantrum after, um, I'll just say, you know what? You messed up. You should have listened, you know? And that's the way we build that trust muscle of who we are is by trusting our yeses and our noes when we get them, trusting those little nudges, which I don't think it happens overnight. No. And building boundaries takes years, especially mm. for people of the feeling preference who often how, say yes because they want to be kind. How do people do that? How do people set healthy boundaries with regards to being an entrepreneur, but also just in their life and with others? Like how can people do that in a really healthy way while also probably still feeling really guilty that they're doing it? <laughs> Well, this actually, <laughs> now that you bring that up, that could be a full other podcast for you and I. Yeah. Boundaries. I'll write that down. Yes. We're going to have to think <laughs> of a really good I mean, I'll just give a quick tip, but I think that could depression. be a full half an hour. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to it so. <laughs> or anxiety. And for me, it took years to really you and I don't learn have how to either say no. things, period. Mm, like, but no is get a complete sentence. And having time yeah. is not the same protect thing. Protect your time. Absolutely. Yes, volunteering is good. Yes, you know, being on board. Some of my clients are on multiple boards. Quite a few things But when it's taking away from your personal time with your family and your loved ones, and it's causing stress, you really have to mitigate that and figure out how many hours you're willing per month to put towards certain people and also certain associations. And one boundary that I set too, when people would ask me to donate money or to volunteer is I choose two or three charities or nonprofits a year in advance. And then I give them everything that I want to, everything I have, whether it's a money commitment or speaking at no cost, but I choose ahead of time. And then it makes it really easy to say no, because mm. I've already chosen. And I can put people on a waiting okay. list, but that's one thing that I learned uh, in entrepreneurship in the beginning is a lot of people will ask for free services or say, you know, it'll give you exposure or it'll help with your brand awareness. And yes. you really need to practice your boundaries in the very first few years of entrepreneurship. Yeah, totally. I wish I would have known that right from the beginning because um, I think a lot of times sometimes we're we know we don't want to do it and that's not going to actually serve our business, but our ego is just like, Oh my God, they want me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then they dangle the carrot. This will really help you with the exposure of your business. And I can say without a doubt in the seven years, I bet you only two of those free events I did <laughs> out of hundreds actually gave me any exposure and gave me any business. Yes. So it's really, um, what I do, um, what before I say no is I just ask a ton of questions first. Who are the people that are going to be there? What is their industry? What, what are, you know, who's your, who are your clients? Who are your guests? Because if it's a room full of 60 year old men, nothing against the 60 year old men, it's not my target audience. Yeah. They and don't want to hear from me. <laughs> And in that note, you know, when I started out, luckily, uh, my business school was phenomenal, but really figuring out your target markets and doing actual market research and surveys with the people that might be or already are your clients is something that a lot of entrepreneurs skip over is the business planning stage. And it's a really important piece to keep sustainable and to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. What is the impact of having the proper support in place? Um, before you become an entrepreneur, while you are an entrepreneur, like what is the impact on people's mental and even physical well-being, like on people's well-being by having that support, whether it's a coach, 
friends, other entrepreneurs, like what's that impact on people's stress levels? Well, in, I teach at Praxis School of Entrepreneurship now, and one of the courses I teach is called Critical Issues. And we actually, it's change management, but also around entrepreneurship. And it's the first week of school. And there's a whole section on who is your support network. And we Mm. dive really heavy into that, not just friends, but mentors or previous bosses or people in your industry in a different province, perhaps, so that they're not your competitor. However, in I must say, one of my mentors, actually a couple of them over the years have been my direct competitors. And it's very unique in certain provinces that the kindness level is there and that your competitors are willing to take you on as protégés. So yeah. I think just asking, asking to go for coffee. You don't always have to you know, pay a coach. You can ask someone, do you mind if we go for coffee every few months just so I can pick your brain or ask questions? And don't be too shy to do that because that's where we get our most help and we'll avoid the mistakes and we'll avoid the stress if we have that support network. Yeah. And I, I just think too, when you have that support network, whether it's with a, with a coach, which I highly recommend, I mean, you have every single sports team has, they have coaches and then they have therapists on board. Like they have every single support on the planet. And then entrepreneurs are like, I can do it all on my own. (laughs) We have no support. So I highly recommend the support and I highly recommend having a mentor, which is totally different than a coach. Um, And then I highly recommend having the friends because I feel like it's really, really hard for your limiting beliefs to grow, not be there because they're going to creep up. It's really difficult for them to grow and take over and become the pressure cooker inside in our internal world when we have people rooting for us when we're not rooting for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know for you and I, um, we started our business very, very close to the same t- at the same time. And we, I just remember sitting on the patio together, uh, just brainstorming and doing work together and doing stuff. And yes, we did a few projects together too, which really helped and just sitting there and doing vision boarding together. And yeah, I could do that on my own, but it's not the same. It's really, really not the same. It's having that support and, and having someone you can speak to when it's just been a really, really stressful day or when you didn't meet your monthly goals and you're feeling really down on yourself. It's so key to have the emotional support, not just the logistical support of how do I run a business. Yeah. And I think that's where we fail as entrepreneurs Um, and sometimes just in life, not even as entrepreneurs, is we forget about the importance of having the emotional support. Keeping our emotions in check and ensuring that our mental game is strong because stuff's going to creep in. I have limiting beliefs. I still have limiting beliefs. And we have our core ones. And I think everybody goes into entrepreneurship with those limiting beliefs that they had before they even decided to start a business and they're heightened as an entrepreneur because so for me, mine was like my whole life growing up, it was always, I'm not good enough. So then become an entrepreneur with that unchecked, unhealed limiting belief of I'm not good enough and get 10 no's of (laughs) having a client or getting a workshop. You're going to really start to feel that even though it's totally normal to put in 20 proposals and get 10 no's. Yeah. But my limiting belief doesn't know that. So yeah. I don't know if you mentioned our statistic that brought up this whole conversation was that entrepreneurs are four times more likely to succumb to mental illness 
Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you actually went to a speaking engagement where the guy was talking about that as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that statistic before I got into entrepreneurship. But when you are an entrepreneur, you're like, well, yeah, because you know? it's, yeah. it's a different level and stress is relative, right? No matter what industry you're in, no matter what role you have, there's stress, but it's the the non, you don't have a paycheck coming in. I think that's one of the biggest stressors in entrepreneurship is that there's no level to what money you can make. So that's amazing, right? However, you might not make money for a few weeks or a month. And that is a different level of stress. And it's also a different level of planning that you need to master very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be the top three that entrepreneurs really need to look out for the top stressors that it would be a really good idea having a plan in place before becoming an entrepreneur that I might, I'm going to get support on this right away. Financial number one. (laughs) Financial number one. So what kind of support in the financial realm, if someone can't hire an accountant or bookkeeper right away, what's the best thing that they can do to ensure that that is it just a mindset thing at the beginning? would be the business plan to figure out what your expenses are going to be, what you plan to do in the next five years. You know, business plan usually spans five years in a, like ahead of time. And I think that's important. What kind of uh, equipment you're going to need. In my case, I didn't need to get a business loan because my overhead wasn't as high as say a coffee shop opening up that would have a storefront. So these are all questions that you need to figure out before just launching a business and getting a business name. So financial, I think, would be one of the number one stressors, especially yeah. in the beginning. And you already mentioned emotional support. And yeah. the third would be choosing your lane and really figuring out your focus. And are you good at it? Do you need extra training? Do you mm. have the passion? And if you can couple those, then you're guaranteed success. But knowing that it's an adventure and there's a lot of work along the way just helps position you better. Absolutely. And I feel like it has to be, it, it's a, it's a very fluid industry where you're, it changes really fast yeah. and you obviously I'm still in my own lane. I just do it differently based on what the industry and based on what is happening out there in the world and on social media. So I need to be able to switch gears and learn really quickly. And that's not easy sometimes when you're just like, oh my God, but I just figured this out. <laughs> right? Growing, right? Take as many yeah. courses as you can online, in person, just keep your education up and learning, growing, researching. Yeah. One of the biggest things for me is um, I look at networking as two things, which helps me minimize my stress. I look at networking as a way to get to know people and their businesses and then mine, but also as a really great way to be in the room with a bunch of people saying, oh my God, me too. Or yes, I have the perfect person who can help you with this. I look at it as a way to collaborate, support and share and also hopefully get and give business, right? It's kind of like that both. I don't walk into a room thinking, who can I give my business card to? And every single one of these people is gonna become my client. I look at it like I'm going to speak to hopefully two or three really core, awesome people and have great conversations. And even if they don't need my business, hopefully they'll give my card to someone one day and remember me. Yes. Yeah. Connections is my tagline. And I truly believe that is the purpose of why we are here. Create connections with others. Well, the support is, I think the support is so important and 
we really are like a we have this viewpoint of we have to do everything alone and it's a weakness to ask for help. And I mean, I'm not perfect at this. I forget sometimes to ask for help. Um, but I think it's really important to be able to have that awareness, the mindfulness to say, I'm not acting by my design. I'm not feeling me right now. I'm going to give it a couple of days. It might just be, you know, just like a little fluke and just something that I'm going through. And if not, I'm going to reach out for help. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes even just talking it out is like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, so we're going to do a whole thing on having healthy boundaries. I think it's really important, but I think the most important thing to ensure that it doesn't become a pressure cooker, what I'm hearing is really know what your strength, strengths and weaknesses are know what your personality and who your true self is because it makes it really easy then to ask yourself those questions and to set those goals and ensure that they're for you, not for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you because you have totally shifted in your career where it's, it's really amazing to watch. It was, it's been so amazing because I've been a part of the journey almost like the whole time, which has been so cool. I know where, where you started and where you are today. What do you think one, one of the things or some of the things are that you needed to release? Like, what did you need to release or let go of or learn or like a limiting belief, whatever it is to get to the success that you're at now, because that didn't happen by accident. No. And it was when I became certified in the Myers-Briggs, I was passionate about psychology and that's what led me to personality profiling and I never thought I would have a business in it when I got certified it was just for fun and it was when I learned the platinum rule when I was learning to become a practitioner changed everything and and the platinum rule for those that don't know it is treat people the way they want to be treated Mm. as opposed to the golden rule which most people know which is treat people the way you want to be treated And the reason the golden rule doesn't work very well, often in business especially, is people aren't like you. They have different religions, cultures, personalities, and value sets. And when you can really wrap your head around that, instead of saying, this is my personality type, it's looking at it differently and going, because of my personality type, how do I come across to others? Is that serving me? Is there some behaviors I might change if they're my opposite profession or personality type? So that was really the biggest lesson that I learned that I now help others work with because it makes sales so much easier. It makes networking so much easier to be truly genuinely curious and respectful of others. Absolutely. I think it's so important. Like obviously when you first meet someone, you're going to treat them the way you want to be treated. And that's a great first introduction, but it is so important because as you get to know someone, I don't know what your triggers are. I don't know what your past has been like and your experiences have been like. So if you're working with someone and speaking to someone who had a really traumatic childhood, you need to come down to their level and potentially be a little bit more compassionate. Or, you know, I have, um, I went to a a workshop once and the woman just yelled (laughs) like she was like Tony Robbins, you know, where just like, (laughs) And this is what I love about Tony Robbins as well, but she didn't change based on people's potentially not liking aggression. Like I have a really hard time with aggression. Yeah. And 
I get closed off. It's a trigger for me. It's a childhood trigger. We won't go into that on the podcast, but it's a childhood trigger for me. When someone gets really aggressive, it like, I just turtle. So it's really important to get to know and be in tune to people's personalities. And that's what I really love about Tony Robbins. When you watch him, as soon as he learns someone has had a really like, um, a traumatic childhood experience, he totally quiets down. He, yeah. his energy slows right down. He becomes a little bit more monotone. He's more loving, less in your face because that person probably had someone in their face their whole life, especially if it has to do with abuse. So like swearing at them and yelling at them and trying to shock them out of their state is not going to help. So that's why the golden rule works when you first meet someone, but the platinum rule, it helps you to really gain that connection. Yeah. So don't you think that's really important for support as well to ensure that someone really is treating you the way you want to be treated? Yes. And I was going to mention earlier, if you're going to hire a coach or a mentor, and this seems crazy and counterproductive, but it's actually the best thing you can do is to hire someone your total opposite. Oh, why is that? You might not necessarily bond with them immediately, but they're going to have the opposite preferences that you do by nature. So they're going to see your business in a different light. They're going to give you opinions that you never would have come up with on your own. So having coaches that are similar to you, that's great, but also have a few people in your life that are your polar opposite and take advice from them and, and really work with it. Yeah, I can definitely say that for sure, because, um, I found I have a client right now, we're identical and I can't help but just want to be her best friend and I'm not serving her. And it's at the point now where um, the coaching relationship is going to have to end because I can't push her. We're just too similar and I don't have that personality or those tools or that skill set to get her out of that. And we're just, we're too similar. I just, everything she does, I want to like, just be like, no, 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 it was good enough, you know, and hug her and support her. And that's okay. And I think that's really important to recognize in ourselves that sometimes you need to be okay with letting things go and being like, you know what? I have someone who would be better suited for you. Yeah. Instead of, that was a really big lesson for me that minimized my stress was I don't have to have the answers for everybody. Like I'm learning along with them. I don't have to have the answers or the tools for everyone. And a lot of the clients that I do have that are taken to another level are ones who are like, I have never even had a conversation about the stuff that you talk about. Um, I've never had a coach or like, we're totally opposite on this. Like they're typically more type A and very, very much like point A to point B, like, and I, and more thinkers and I'm just like, yeah, but how do you feel? So, and I find because of that, they're able to grow more because I'm getting them out of their regular pattern. And in order to reprogram our brains, we have to change the pattern. We have to change the programming and we can't do that when someone isn't giving us anything new. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So In order to, I think one of the biggest things I'm hearing is 
to minimize that stress, especially entrepreneurial stress, like really get to know yourself and what works for you and where you're going to go and be in your own lane, along with having a strategic plan and being logical about it as well. Um, it's the way to trust yourself and to know that even though everyone else is doing it this way, even though everyone else is telling you to do it this way, really trust your gut. And that's how you're going to learn and strengthen those skills and take those massive leaps. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you one last question before we go? Yeah. Um, did you have any limiting beliefs going into entrepreneurship that are just not there anymore? I think when I first went in and again, my being an entrepreneur was never one of my childhood goals. Um, you know, veterinary was, and I did that. Yeah. Which was really cool. But one of my limiting beliefs when I first started out was on the financial side actually. And it was, they forced me to learn bookkeeping and the whole financial planning and all of these things. And it was really stressful in the beginning. And I remember thinking like, I can't do this. I don't have an accounting degree. I don't have the business mindset for this. And I do all of my own bookkeeping, all of my own journal entries. And if I don't know how my accountant teaches me, so I do all of the work throughout the year. And then at the very end of the year, my accountant does year end. And that's something that's been six years now. And I will delegate that out and I've created standard operating procedures now, but I just literally blew my own mind. The fact that I can do this mm. and I have the skill set, and it wasn't something that came naturally. So I think learning a new skill can be scary. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that's not innate, it might seem like it's impossible, but I think the whole financial mastery piece of bookkeeping and a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs that I've talked to, you know, if they owe the CRA years later, they're like, yeah, it was, it was the bookkeeping stuff. It was the financial end. I wasn't keeping track of. So again, I think being on top of your books and knowing where you sit every year. And yeah. I, that is one of the most important things that I learned. And the limiting belief that I overcame was that I couldn't learn it or, mm. or do it. Right. So that was one of my biggest limiting beliefs, I guess, going in was, I don't know how to run a business, but I'm really good at speaking yeah. or team building. And you just, you learned the rest as you went yeah. and spoke to the people that you needed to speak to. And hired mentors and oh. coaches. And, yeah. This really just, it all comes back to just not putting yourself in a bubble, yep. right? Like the more you isolate yourself, the more you're going to feel isolated. And the more you feel isolated, you're going to feel so alone. You're going to feel unsupported. And that's going to just like max maximize your stress. And that stress is going to turn into anxiety and you're going to feel like you're, you have no one and nothing and it has a domino effect. And now you're depressed and now your business is failing. And it's just like, it really has that domino effect. I and I don't care if you're an extrovert or you're an introvert. Um, we cannot survive as entrepreneurs or as humans in isolation. We need each other. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I think just taking from this conversation is reach, even if it's just one person, like it typically introverts will have what, like one to five people in their tribe, <laughs> one to three, usually one yeah. to three in their tribe. <laughs> so make, sure you spend time with those one to three and make sure that you have that right make sure that you have that coach you have that support because that stress cannot grow when someone is helping you through it and that's yeah. been a really really big lesson for me and it's what I teach is just 
get it before it gets to the point where you want to jump. And that was really, and I always watch myself because, you know, before I started this 20 years ago, I had a rock bottom and I just, I didn't see another way out other in the moment. I was like, I can't see another way out other than dying right now. And, but the moment I was like, but I don't want to die. I actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I wanted to, I didn't want to do that to my family. So just having that moment where I'm like, okay, well, the only thing I can do is reach out to someone. I don't think it's going to work, but I did it. And I reached out to someone and I instantly shifted. I instantly was like, oh, this is not as bad as I thought. I actually have people in my corner. So that's why it's so important to have your tribe. Because now when I feel myself, I'm like, I'm feeling off. I'm feeling stressed. I feel like it's a domino effect. I don't know what to do. It typically, I don't allow it to get to that point because I'm just like, whoa, it's been two days. I've got to reach out. And the more I surround myself with the loving, supportive, positive energy people, the less I get taken into that permanent residence of that stress and the less I get into that depression. Yeah. But, um, so I think that's really, really important for people to hear is just surround yourself with people. And when you teach networking, I know, do you have to go? No, I'm good. Okay. When you teach networking, do you teach people, especially entrepreneurs, I think, because entrepreneurs go into it thinking, what can I get, 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 right? Because they want to grow their business. (laughs) Do you teach them that networking isn't an exchange of business cards? It's a, it's human connection. Absolutely. So my course is about how can you quickly body language wise, word choice wise, assess someone's personality so you can adjust your communication style to be respectful. And the second portion is what is your elevator pitch? And what people want to know when they meet you isn't what you do in your name. It's how do you help your clients with your product or your service? Because they might need that, but they might also know someone that needs that. So I think re-shifting our elevator pitch to be about how we help. And then what kind of conversation starters should you be asking and that are genuine? that you can be curious and get to know that person to a deeper level because they might be a friend. You might be able to give them business. Maybe you'll get business. Maybe you'll just create a relationship that down the road you'll help each other. But I look at networking as meeting new people, creating connections and finding out what's fascinating about them. Mm. I think if you go in with that mindset, it's not about, oh, I got 15 business cards. That doesn't matter. Were they deep connections? Were they people that actually wanted to reach out to you or go for coffee? And then following up is is a piece as well that we sometimes forget to do is we get the card and we don't call them even if they were interested in our business. So there's a whole, it's a two hour course. And when I speak across Canada, I can concise it down to 60 minutes. But I think the purpose is just to be genuinely curious. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important because I find, and I learned this from you because you really are like, you're just a a master connector like you really just know what to ask and really get down to the human level it's such a skill and which takes practice I mean it might come naturally to you and just because it doesn't come naturally to someone else what you're saying is you can learn it yeah you just have to practice it is I used to go in and say oh yeah my business is contagiously positive and I'm a certified life coach and certified health coach well this conversation shut down right there and then I <laughs> shifted to, you know, my name 
obviously like who I am, but then I right away go, I help women strengthen their emotional, their mental, their spiritual and attitudinal muscles. And instantly people are like, they don't understand how, but they're like, whoa, okay. Um, that sounds really interesting, you know? And then a conversation has started instead of, oh God, she's a, like, you know, I'm sure that you got that at the beginning. It's like, oh my God, are they assessing me? Like, if you start with what you do, it's like, is she assessing me? Is she like trying to figure me out? You know? So yeah, instantly. And I find from that, we have a conversation. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they're asking, well, how do you do that? What's the name of your company? How did you get into that? Yeah. So it's really, really important to talk about the how, because your company name is your company name, <laughs> not what you do. Well, when I, when I first, when I was so excited, I got a 99% average on my Myers-Briggs exams and I was so passionate and excited. I used to tell people I'm a Myers-Briggs practitioner. And somebody finally said to me, nobody even knows what that is. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. So then I yeah. changed it to, I help my clients overcome fears around presentation skills, public mm. speaking and networking skills. And I make it easy. That enticed a question. Yes. Tell me more. If somebody can ask a question when you say your elevator pitch, that is perfect. Absolutely. Right? Engage them. It's true because um, life coaching is just like you can knock on every door now and there's a life coach every second house. But when I first started 10 years ago, it was like, what the heck is life coaching? Right, and I would would try to explain it. It's like, well, you know, if you have a football team and they'd have a coach, it was even really hard to explain. But, but it's not actually what I do. It's I do help people strengthen their emotional and mental muscles, and that's what I do. And what you do is you really do because what's the number one fear people have? People would rather die than public speak. Yes. So there's a massive fear there when you would rather literally die. (laughs) right which you can't take back then get up on stage and potentially not do great but at least you can get better like you can't take death back but people would right like there are stats out there the majority of people say i would rather die than get up on stage and speak yeah and you can do help people in your room if you're behind a microphone it's so so it's the best way to network it's powerful yeah absolutely and i love all this because i think it's really important for entrepreneurs to know that like your your business your business growth your emotional well-being like none of that is going to take place in a little petri dish like where you know in your in your own little box you really need to open yourself up to these new possibilities because entrepreneurship is not limiting no it is so vast you know like you as a speaker like you have your topics that you speak about, but there are so many things you could do with those topics other than just teaching on a stage. There's yep. so many ways you can get that message out there. There's so many ways you can earn revenue. There's so many ways you can build your business and grow your business. And as soon as entrepreneurs can work on those those limiting beliefs that they have that, well, this is the only way I can make money, like doors just fly open for them because we really do get stuck on the house. Sometimes it's just like, well, this is what I want. I want to have this business. Not to say that if you don't want to reach for the stars, you don't have to, if all you want to do is one-on-one coaching or one specific thing, and you just want to sell socks, whatever it is that you want to do, that's fine. But 
if it's not, those limiting beliefs don't have to, they're, they're just that, they're just limiting beliefs. So it's really important to just step outside yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really hard, but that takes support and it takes being mindful and having these conversations and just understanding that entrepreneurial stress is a thing and it is becoming an epidemic. So let's start having the conversation to let people know that I have different stress than someone who has a nine to five job. Yeah. It's not, my stress is not any worse or any less than someone else's stress, but it is a stress that if unchecked can turn into something really scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important. And that's why we have these conversations, right? Is let people know. Cause I know as soon as I had a label for it, I was like, Oh my God, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And had I known that seven years ago, I, my business and myself and what all the stuff that I wanted to create, I probably would be so much further ahead than I am now because that stress put limits on me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So what is coming up for you? Because honestly, I'm your best friend and I have a hard time keeping up. <laughs> My boyfriend doesn't even know where I am day to day. Just so everyone who's listening knows I scheduled this podcast interview just so I could have a few minutes with Jolene. <laughs> And that's why we're over our hour because I'm just like, I'm asking these questions because it's just, you're, you're really busy, um, creating magic. You're, you're not busy working. You're busy creating magic. <laughs> so what is coming up? So in terms of public workshops, I'm offering presentation skills courses and networking etiquette courses in Saskatoon and Regina in mm -hmm. February. Also a stress management course at Edwards School of Business Executive Education on May 12th up in Saskatoon. And for the next two months, it's so exciting. I am traveling Calgary and Winnipeg and in May I'm going to Banff and speaking at insurance brokers conventions. The Lumber Association is coming up, the cooperators out in Winnipeg, just lots of really cool industries and lots of travel, which you know, I put that on my vision board years ago was me walking in, in heels with a pulling a, a bag and going to an airport and it's really come to fruition. So I think the power of vision boards is, is pretty profound. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. So you've got a lot for 2020 planned and ready to go. And I'm sure, well, I saw all of your organization, so you're ready for it. You are ready too. for the busy, right? Like it's going to minimize your stress all on its own. Yes. Yeah. Your addiction to office supplies is yes. yes. de-stress. <laughs> so if you could just say one thing, because this is such a big topic and we're going to do just by the way, everyone listening, we're going to do a series of this and have more conversation on this as we learn more about entrepreneurial depression. And we're going to give another, a nicer word to that. Um, as we move forward and teach, we're going to teach more on this, but what's one thing if someone is like, Oh my God, this is totally me. This is the road I'm on right now. What's one piece of advice you would give that they could just do this one thing right now 
to just start the process? So be passionately authentic. That, Mm -hmm. that sentence really sticks out to me. But the other question, and this is off of a video from Adam Lipzig to really help you define what your passion is, is he asks a question that really stuck out and it was, what's one thing right now that you feel supremely qualified to teach other people? And so some people are like, well, I have so many focuses, but that question really hones it in and helps you focus on that one thing and then yeah. be passionately authentic. I just like the combination of those two words because authenticity is who you are by nature and to be passionate about it, yes. obviously that's going to be a really fun career. Oh, I love that. And it's so important because what it's going to do is it's just going to be like, all right, here's my business plan. Here are, here's one priority, just one priority I'm going to take action on. And this is what I'm going to teach about and learn about and share and create posts about and create workshops on. And all of a sudden, I, I bet you their business will skyrocket just from that because people are going to be like, I want that one thing from you. And now I know what you do. Yes. So what would you recommend one thing emotionally or mentally that someone could do if they're just like, I, I, I'm just feeling too down, too limiting. My limiting beliefs have taken over. My stress have taken over. I can't even niche down. Um, what's one thing mentally or emotionally that you think people can do just the one baby step? I think it's that, that saying that motivates you, whether it's you've got this or you're good enough and putting it somewhere that you can read it every day or saying it. But I think it's just to keep that in check. And again, your course goes through limiting beliefs and how to really switch that around. And I think it's so powerful to be able to do that quickly to get your brain wired in the correct direction. Yeah. Yeah. We need those little reminders, right? Joe Dispenza talks about that all the time about the only way to rewire and reprogram your brain is to tell it what you want it to do and how you want it to think. We have to program it. It it doesn't just magically happen. So people think that affirmations are woo-woo. They're not. It's a reprogramming. So if you put, if you write down 80 times a day, I am enough. I've got this. I can do this. I am successful. I have the motivation and the inspiration and the creativity I need. Your brain, when you go the other way, is going to say, no, 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 that's not how we think. That's not how we respond to things. We have to put the programming in it. And that's what Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive does. You know, so many people think, and I think a lot of that is the name as well, um, think that it's just a woo-woo course about meditation and gratitude and all those things are in it, but it's a reprogramming. It's a strengthening of those muscles that we have to tell our brain what we want it to do. Otherwise, it's just going to do by default. It's just going to think by default, respond by default, react by default. And we're just not going to be able to move forward in the way that we want to if we don't create a new program. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My biggest thing, I think, just before we say goodbye, is if someone's feeling really lost, really disconnected, they don't feel supported, it's just reach out to someone. Reach out to that support, that professional support. Hire that coach. Um, go see that therapist. Like, go whatever it is that they need. Like, just ask themselves, okay, what do I need? Who can I speak to? And just make that appointment and start that process where they just don't feel so alone and really getting that connection. So, yeah, yeah. thank you so much. I cannot wait 
to have more conversations and unpack some of the things even more on healthy boundaries and really just unpacking this throughout the year because I think it's a really important conversation. And I'm excited to come to Ottawa to hang out so we can develop uh, a course that's yeah, on our Me vision. too. Me too. Thank you. Wow. What a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for sticking around for today's share, for listening to today's share, to sharing today's share, and really taking the time to sit down with Jolene Watson and I and have a meaningful conversation. That's what this is all about. And the biggest nugget that I took from today's conversation with Jolene is don't do this journey alone. You are not alone. You are not the only one with that problem. You are not the only one who has to overcome an obstacle. You are not the only one who has challenges and you're not the only one who has stressors and potentially questions as to what the heck do I need to do to overcome this? We all get in those situations. And what I loved about this conversation was that when we don't tackle it alone, what happens is, is we realize there actually is a solution to every single problem. We just have to reach out. We have to listen to these podcasts, hire that coach, get a really good tribe around us, be with like-minded people, and continue to have meaningful conversations that helps us to learn and grow and heal and just become all that we know deep down we can become. I want you to be, do, and have whatever it is that you desire. So if you want, you can head over to jolenewatson.com and check out all of the phenomenal workshops that she not only facilitates, but also to check out her speaking tour schedule so you can see if maybe she is coming to a neighborhood near you. Also, you can head over to contagiouslypositive.ca. I have three phenomenal self-guided digital courses and workshops for you that you can take, or we can set up a time where we can chat to see if potentially you may want to work with me one-on-one. Listen, everyone, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this to the share. I look forward to sitting down with Jolene again. We're going to be talking about healthy boundaries, how to say no, how to protect your time. That's going to be phenomenal. But for now, for now, I am saying goodbye. And everyone, as always, be happy, be healthy, and of course, be contagiously positive. Bye, everyone.